I am unashamed. What about you? I love this time of year because it's everybody's getting ready for hunting season and you have football season starts. It's awesome. So since I've been in Texas, let's get the the teal report. The teal report. Uh, actually, the the real reconnaissance is taking place. Today is Monday. Teal season opens Saturday. When you get down to four, five, six days out, you begin to ease around, not spooking them, not spooking them, recon missions. We're, yeah. we're watching for them. So the last <laughs> month we saw was about 20, and they came out of the elm hole. I'm sitting on a pipeline watching down in there, and about 20 got out of there. Hmm. Stone had seen about 40 earlier that morning on the little Myers hole. Mm-hmm. So 40 sitting on the Myers hole, 20 sitting on. So I know they're around there. We saw a couple of, uh, couple of singles come down the pipeline when we were brushing that duck blind. We're brushing duck blinds and recon, recon on the teal where they Good are. Morning. Y'all been, basically scaring them off. So well, <laughs> pretty close. Yeah, because once you Cause see they won't them, be there, then yeah, they won't that be means there. something happened in order them to take flight. But yeah. that's okay. Well, what I did is, you know, last year we had the worst teal season ever. I think. Well, we we, we, we hunted we, sixteen days, and I think we shot fourteen teal. We, we didn't we, even we work aver- out one per day. Yeah, it was like that's a pretty tough average. That's one gumbo, but the, for last, the whole season. The last time we burned them was. It was year before last where I left the water on the hole like I did this year. Well, right. And there are more teal down there. Which brings me to my point. I never schedule any events during teal season or duck season because I hunt. That's just the way it is. That's the way it's always been. Mm-hmm. But since we had such a pathetic teal season last year, in a moment of weakness, I scheduled two events back to back. You know, one week I'm going to North Carolina. And uh, then I'm headed to Kentucky on the way back. Stone so. and I will give you an update and a briefing on how many teal we kill without you being there. Yeah, I know you're going to kill them because last year we had no water. And this year we had water for nine months, so you didn't take it off. Precisely. So, which basically in teal season, whoever's got the water wins. That's it. And it's really, I guess, in duck season overall. Well, unless, talk about unless you have and, too much water. Well, unless you have too we much. Have, we have a tremendous millet crop. I planted the silt from the backwater, the muck. I used a, a wheeler with tracks on it instead of wheels. Tracks don't bury up like tires. Mm-hmm. Tires, you, yeah. you, you couldn't have done it. Because yeah. how so, many times have you buried a tractor or bulldozer? More than I want to admit. <laughs> but the bottom line is, I had this track these tracks on one of these four wheelers and i was able to plant it and i said no fertilize the silt was plenty fertile but amazingly i looked at it the other day i mean it's been up about a month the water stayed so late i didn't have time to try to dry it up and disc it up i said we just got to go with it what's what's amazing to me just as i'm an insider but also as an outsider because i don't work it like you guys do is that people watching and listening uh, you know, I just think you, we walk out there and you just get in your mind and start shooting. Oh. But, but I mean, the process that happens to prepare land is incredible. I what mean, I've noted is that during the process on brushing the blinds, shoring up the duck blinds, patching them up, replacing floors, get them all brushed, if you say it real quick, but 50 or 60 duck blinds to haul enough brush down there to yeah. get them all brushed. We just take one at a time. It's 105 in the shade at 1 o'clock in the evening, so we go early. Right. But uh, I have noticed, Al, that I have not laid my eyes on one Jason Robertson <laughs> during the blind brushing process. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, there, he's usually there, and now he's going to speak out somewhere and not be there on opening day. But yeah. I normally don't see him or his, his buddy Stone the entire blind that is brushing. Not true. I, usually I'm down here helping. This year I've, I've had some other things going on, going on, so I've sent Jay down here numerous Jay times. Jay has been down a few times. Because Jay is in, in so 
good a shape now. You know, he's turned into a boxer. I think he started off just trying to lose some weight. Plus, the eunuch is the bar man, so he's got plenty of muscles. So I'm taking muscle men with me to just a haul willows. Which, well, by well, the way, have I, to do it. I'm trying to, to, you know, everybody's into the UFC fighting now. You know, these you're squaring off and kicking and fighting and submission. Jiu-jitsu. Yeah. So I want us to do like a local fight between Stone and the eunuch. I, w- I would pay money to to see that fight because yeah, there's, there's an age idea. difference. They're both into it. The eunuch, you know, he's kind of low- like a Spider-Man. Right. He's a type. ninja style, whereas yeah. Stone, I think, would be more of a bruiser. But, I, I mean, you know, normally I'm not into watching men fight, but I'm saying I might pay money to watch well, you know, the Jay, eunuch versus Stone. Jay has always said he has anger management issues. That's right. why he quit playing golf. Yeah. You know, he, he couldn't, he could not play the game. Dan, the eunuch is the opposite. Yeah. yeah, he's a meek and gentle man. See, I think he's not mean enough to beat Stone, even no. though he's got but him they, by twenty. Well, they found something in this working out, and you know, like of course, Stone's know. a veteran. He went through the military. They That's got right. him. They got him up in there. You know, broke oh, yeah. him and then made him whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, and then he just let himself go for a few years, <laughs> yeah. and now he's gone the, the other, other way. way. Yeah, like he, I can he run looks like he just came out of Afghanistan now. You oh know, yeah. He, oh, well, look, I pull up in the driveway. Because you know we live right next to each other, I pull up in my driveway. He's out there. It's a hundred degrees. He's he's bobbing and weaving and oh, sweat yeah. pouring off. I mean, he. Well, did he's he into tell it. you about two weeks ago? You know, I'm driving through the neighborhood. Well, I look up. I just see him running through the yard. You know, well, I pull up there and roll down the window. I said, "What happened?" And he's like, "What are you talking about?" And, you know, I thought he was something so, happened in the neighborhood. He was running. after him. Yeah. He's like, "No, I'm just running, staying in shape." I said, well, that's kind of dumb to do in the middle of the day when it's 101 degrees. <laughs> so here's here's what Stone says about us. He says, you can never win with a Robertson because when I was fat, you know, and out of shape, they were like, son, you're fat and out of shape. You're pathetic. He said, then I get into shape. I'm in the best shape of my life. And it's like, what are you going through, a midlife crisis? I mean, time to back off, son. Time to just go well, back into normal mode. It, he was like, I can't win with a Robertson. I said, well, that's welcome to he's my a, he's a man of extremes. He is a man of extremes. All right. So we got our uh, our friends at ExpressVPN. Um, we've talked about them before, Dad. This is a virtual private network, which we tried to explain to you last time Jace did. Virtual private network. Right. We're this we're into this My mind we're into the internet world. This is My real. mind is racing at the moment. I'm not quite sure. Software. Windows. All right, so so right. I've never owned a computer, never owned a cell phone. I'm just dealing with my younger yeah. sons. So what does this thing do? All right, so here now here's a way maybe you can get it, because I think this is something you'll understand. So in 2016, the tech elites, all the Google people, they bragged about donating hundreds of million, millions of dollars to Hillary and have now been doing that since. So Trust they, me, I've never met these people. Yeah, but you, you get that they've been working you know, for the left for a pretty good while. Yeah. So you know, the conservatives have basically been shut out of a lot of this. I mean, there's been censoring. It's happened to you, oh, yeah. you know, in the woods. So what virtual private network, one of the things they do is they keep these tech elites from getting your information. These are the same people that support this left-wing ideology, don't allow conservatives to speak. So you're blocking them out of your information. They label me a a violent person because I was plucking a duck. Right, which, yeah, you were censored. Because you were picking it up. Yeah. So these big tech companies, they want to, you know, look at your your internet activity. So this is one of the ways we keep them out of there. Express VPN masks that, and it makes you anonymous. So people that are online, well, good, which is a good thing. Exactly. Well, you understand breaking and entering? They stop this virtual breaking and entering. That's right. Well, good for them. Which is great. So we're we're only the bad guys. I, on I'm the internet. actually a little bit uh, into. Whatever you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Just a little bit like whatever. Virtual this is a virtual bobo with a with with a bunch of you know, pack hounds with him. I got you. Sending off the warning bells. Right. Trouble, trouble, intruder, intruder. They're they're virtual stay barking. Out, One out. of the reasons I'm cell phone free and computer free is because of what you're discussing here. I just said <laughs> 
Forget you it. You walked away. It. But the rest of us have to deal with it. Yeah. So yeah. it's not complicated. ExpressVPN, it just takes a minute to set up on your computer or your phone. It's one button. You're protected. So if you're like me and you want to be protected, uh, we want you to go to expressvpn.com and it's slash fill. And what you're going to get for that is three months free with a one-year package. So it's expressvpn.com slash fill and get protected. Your bobo awaits. Hey, I, I'm glad to hear that I have a small part in protecting human beings, my fellow human beings, from, from this scourge you're discussing. There you go. ExpressVPN.com slash Phil. There you go. I learned a lot on that little session. So we were in Austin. Oh, man. And uh, Did you watch the game, the LSU-Texas game? I watched half of it. What? We- which so half? the second half, you know, they said they went back and forth, but but at the time. So you only watched the first half. I watched the first half, and I was <laughs> well, so you ex- went to bed. I was so excited about it. I went in there and said, "Let me sleep on it." <laughs> that's what, how do you do? That's well, like one of the most exciting games I've ever seen. Dad I, just snoozed. Your it. mother told me the next day, "Did you see that game?" Here? I see why you never made it in the NFL. Oh, <laughs> it, it just you are exactly right. <laughs> I mean, if you, I can, had the if skill you can nap set, on that game. I had the skill set, but you say the old, the woods kept calling me to the woods. I said, you know what? what you was thinking about them teal next morning. Maybe I'll go see some teal. <laughs> Let's get it. I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm burnt out. On it. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the way I was about running track. You know, I was always fast in high school. And, uh, you know, it gets out when you go to these big high schools, you know, they're like, well, I heard you as fast as out there racing people for $5, you know, and I was doing the deal with that, that you taught us about, you know, a man can outrun a vehicle up to 40 yards. Yeah. Yeah. 30, 40 yards or a horse. And, oh yeah. Every one of them. And yeah. so I was making a little money, you know, well it got out. And so the track coach came and saw me and he's like, I heard you were fast, you know? And I, I was like, well, what kind of vehicle do you have? Because I thought he wanted to race. I was like, oh, this is, this is more money right here. But he's like, no, I want you to come run track, you know. I go out there, lined us up. You know, we ran whatever they run, you know, 60 yards. And I finished second. They had the track team. And, of course, the funny part was I took my shoes off because in my mind I thought I was better barefoot, but I don't know why I did that. So, uh so he's like man you know he's bragging on me well you know we got great things i got about a week into that practice you know all you do is you show up and you just start running around in circles and yep. i was like this is literally going to drive me insane <laughs> yep. went to the coach said i'm out <laughs> i'll run for money <laughs> i'll run if somebody's chasing me there's a hog chasing me but just come out here and run around the track i can't i'm, I'm out i yeah. just finally figured out that i had much rather uh catch fish and hunt ducks and what, then throw touchdown passes. I, yeah. I just had a bigger thrill out in the wild with Which the ducks. Which is it's funny because Bradshaw, he basically told that when he year forty years ago, yep. his first book when he made it in the pros, you know he was number one draft pick. He said, what do you tell you? You got $100,000 spread out over 10 years? Yep. <laughs> the, big, the big money wasn't flowing. <laughs> in 1970, well, right. it wasn't yeah. quite the same. Oh, they're making multi-millions. Oh, yeah, right. Elliot just signed a $90 million deal. And holding out for, you know, <laughs> right. I don't want $20 million. If that kind of it, money was had been Yeah, you might have had a little different motivation. I'd have tried it two or three years. But he's, he's, <laughs> he said, Dad, that you – that was your motivation, which he was glad. Like he was telling those stories even back then. So it's funny, Dad, because uh, I had a similar experience of you. But when uh, Maxie Lambright was your coach, one mm-hmm. of your coaches, his son-in-law, Causey, was the coach at Western Ohio High School when I was there in the late seventies. Yep. So word got to him because so he knew about you, hearing stories about you know from his father-in-law. So word got to him that Phil Robertson's son was here. So they sent word up, you know, they, I get pulled out of class one day and I get escorted down to the, you know, football, you know, Mecca. And I, cause they're thinking, well, good night, Phil Robertson's son, we got it. We may have something here. So I walk in, I'm five, nine, you know, one forty, and slow and slow. <laughs> and they look, one look at me. I was like, yeah, I tell your dad, we said hello. And then I, I didn't even get the escort back to class. It was like, find your own way. So, yeah, yeah. so they look one they look. They just got a visual. That was a visual. They didn't even ask me if I could throw or anything. It was a lot just, of people don't realize something, but you're born with the ability. You are born with the ability 
to throw a football or a baseball. You don't learn how to do that. Right. You either have it, but you or also, you don't. when you're six four two thirty, and you marry a woman that's you know four eleven ninety pounds. Your, what what comes out of it is it cut it, five cut, nine one sixty. It cut into that gene pool and slow. <laughs> that's what Jeff just said that this weekend. We were in Austin. That's where Jeff lives, and he told mom. He said, "Thanks to Dad marrying you, none of us had a chance." You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, he like blames it I, on mom. Oh, I used to tell her that. We used to make her so mad. She's you know? a great mother. Okay, Al, where are we going this morning? <laughs> no, I was telling you. Look, so it's the first LSU game I've ever gone to that was on the road. And uh, I got invited. My assistant actually lives in Austin, which is right. Missy's aunt, my wife's aunt. And somehow or another, they're like, you know, I got access to a suite, and they invited you and Missy to come watch LSU game. Well, first I just said I'm out because I thought, why would I want to go be in a room with a bunch of Texas, Texas fans? fans? Which is why I thought you said we would not show up. I, yeah, but- I just first I said no, but she just – kept on was like look i'm telling you they're fine and so and missy wanted to go and i was like and then i started you know lsu looked so impressive in week one and i'm like man this could be an epic battle so i'm in and so we went and uh i tell you it was quite the game and i and i was so it was so interesting to see how other universities you know just have their game day right. and the facilities there were awesome and the people were actually awesome you know if lsu I've been to plenty of LSU games where they lost. Oh, it gets grumpy. You know, oh, yeah. you're just wanting to get. But you know, the Texas fans. I mean, I, it was they were real pretty upbeat. I noticed that the Texans had stashed the LSU fans. <laughs> That's where so I was. High up. <laughs> That's well, where I was. I was. <laughs> I was looking. I thought. Where, well, where are all these LSU fans? Well, I look weird. I've never I even had the band. I've up never there. seen the opposing band in the upper deck Me? until this game. But you know, I'm like, this guy drops a horn on somebody; they're dead. <laughs> oh yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, you Good. see a tuba go down. Well, the yeah, bottom. their drums are like leaning over the edge. I was like, this can't be. The only people that heard the band was LSU fans, which it was. The one good thing about it was the way the game turned out so exciting and LSU won is that 3,000. We may have been stashed away, but if you were in that bunch, oh, oh yeah. it was party time now. It oh, was yeah. it was really awesome. But I, I've already talked to some people in the athletic department at LSU, and for the first time next year, you know, because they always put the band in the south end zone yeah. in Tiger Stadium. They're going to be up in the upper. Oh, no, it's going to be no. It's going <laughs> to be payback. Only three thousand seats, and the band's going up. You know, so. <laughs> but it was a it was an awesome game battle back and forth. You know, but everybody was like, "Well, what happened to LSU's defense?" And I'm like, "It's 102 degrees." Oh, they had man. the goal line stand twice, twice in the first quarter. Well, then they just start falling out like flies because <laughs> cramps. Literally every other play, somebody was down. The and you then missed the all crowd that. just booed and booed. <laughs> and they're like, you know, they're doing it on purpose. I'm like, no, they're hot and they're out of gas. That's why you're just running all over us <laughs> and we can't but stop you. It is as hot in Texas as it is down here in, in South right. Louisiana. And you put 100,000 people it. together. In that atmosphere, well, they, they were. They get all keyed up, and they didn't. Nobody died. Yeah. You know? Another was, reason I chose ducks over football. Well, and and by the way, mom told me because mom made the wisest. Mom was going with us to the game, which would have been a disaster, but yeah. she wisely backed out because she could have never done it. But she told me she saw on the local news they had fifty eight ambulance, you know, deals to fans from the stadium because of the heat. Oh, it's heat brutal. So, but it was an incredible game. And look, I was pretty well mannered until I was wondering. What, I was that was my question for well, you. Did, did you a, go nuts? Because I, I mean, went nuts. People are, oh, did I go nuts? <laughs> I, I about broke my hand because that there's a glass. You know, like when it got too hot, like at halftime, we just you know it's sixty five degrees in there where I'm at. It's awesome, but it's it's plexiglass. And so when Burrow hit, you know, when he, he got flushed from the pocket, he stepped up, he threw kind of a wounded duck, fell down. Jefferson caught it, makes a move, he scores. I literally went Because that was the seal of the game. Yeah, man. I lost it. I did, you know, I pumped my fist. So much so off. you tried to put your fist through a plate glass window. Yeah, I thought I'd broken my hand, but yeah. I didn't care. Well, you know, I, I was in that weird moment where I'm looking around for somebody to share that, and Missy was like too far away. And when I finally gathered myself and looked back, all these people that I'm with, they're just sitting there. And I was like, hey. <laughs> but everybody from LSU who are fans heard me because I was screaming so loud. 
And so they look back, and then they're like, hey, that's that dude from Duck Dynasty. <laughs> so then we started, like, chanting at each other, go Tigers, and I just so joined right in. Like- <laughs> well, then everybody's looking, and I thought, I, t- I leaned over and told Missy, I was like, if we get out of here without me getting my butt smoked, I will be shot. Yeah. <laughs> but I couldn't help it. I lost it. All right, so uh, some folks at a, uh, a company called Keeps, keeps finders keepers losers weepers exactly and and so what the folks that keeps what they they do is they try to help you keep your hair keep your hair that's right keeps because nobody really likes losing their hair yeah so they have a a product now they have basically they're selling a generic uh, version of some drugs that the fda has approved that will help you keep your hair Really? I always just tried not to worry too much about things. Right. Really? And I figured my hair may stay longer. <laughs> so you're uh, going more the mental actually, philosophy. Actually, I'm 73 years old and I'm 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 I got a pretty good head of hair, but but yeah. what 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 are they going to offer Sam? <laughs> well, so here's what they got. They got uh, FDA has approved two hair treatment products that control your DHT. Apparently this is what happens when you lose your hair. You lose the DHT. So it triggers even regrowth in a pretty high percentage of guys. Mm-hmm. Now, I've got a pretty good ball spot that's uh, appearing in the my crown. As the Bible calls it, my crown of glory. You better get a hold of these people. Well, that's what I'm I, I'm definitely fixing to try this because here's mm-hmm. the good news. Keeps offers generic versions because these ones they put out on the, the, the FDA approved, they're very expensive. Keeps has found the generic one, so they're a lot, lot cheaper, and they're 90% effective which is pretty impressive. So now if you're bald, you're already completely bald, it, it's, it's probably over for that. Don't, don't you know, bald people, they try to go, you got to be just losing it, and then you're just going to help it grow back in but there. But if you're like us now, and you have your hair come back, then I say you take the next step and just let it go. That's right. Yeah. Don't shave Stop it, cut it, nothing. Cutting. Yeah. Take the money that you would have spent for shaving or hair cutting, and you just get this, and then just let it go. Right. Jace, you're a hairy dude. Yeah. <laughs> I like it because they say it's shipped discreetly to your door, which is important for people that don't want to know, but I don't care. Uh, I don't care if people know that I was taking something to help my hair grow back. That would help me. So they got a deal. Here's the deal. You go to keeps, K-E-P-S dot com slash Phil. There you are again, Dad. And you're going to get a free online doctor consult. So they're going to talk, you know, doctors will talk to you about it, make sure you're doing this the right way. And your first month of hair treatments free. So one month free. Doctor consult keeps K-E-P-S dot com slash feel to be able to sign up. So I, I'm definitely going to try this because like yeah. I said, I got a my, my crown is now you I think you, you try it for just one simple reason. The more hair you have, the longer it is, the more beard you have, the less likely people will try to mug you. Really? Yeah. Huh. Nobody's ever looked at me and said, yeah. Let me go try to mug that guy. One, they don't think you have anything, but two, they're just saying, no, not worth it. And they're right. That's true. I never thought about that. Hair or no hair, I always am armed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm saying the more hair you have, more it's a you deterrent. Have, yeah, a deterrent. Never get to that We're point. trying to get hair coming. Yeah. It's, like lots ga- of it's like gaining weight. You know, That's why I've gotten bigger because people don't usually get kidnapped when they're my size. You only go for the little people. Uh, I'd have to see the data on that. No, I, I think it's true. More hair, bigger. Hmm. So keeps, K-E-P-S dot com. Get your hair going again. It was fun. It uh, was. <clears throat> I enjoyed it as well. So we're, so we're talking about Moses. Um, Dad's ready to get, get into the meat of the matter. Uh, last time we uh, sort of laid out, you know, kind of just following this stream of these patriarchs, these people that – God raised up. And so we're at the point now we're in the book of Exodus, if you're following along with us. And we've noted that God usually uses the last people that you would think yep. from our perspective to lead, you know, his will. That, 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 that's what you keep seeing. And it always seems like almost an impossible situation. Yeah. You know? And Moses certainly was that because he was, as we described last time, he was basically marked to die, you know, along with all the other Hebrew yeah, he's boys. He's a baby floating down floating the river. Floating down the river. 
and he winds up being the man you know i mean it's the journey to get there is pretty incredible I mean, hollywood if hollywood did this that's all oh, man you need to be more you know realistic that, i know and it's funny they did they did it remember it was a uh, batman played moses but i don't know the you know the christian bale but it was so did you ever see you know that? i never watched it it was you i'm know, always a little weird about well, watching those kind of movies because it just it's kind of like yeah. the Noah thing when they had the. You no, know, I kind of liked the Noah. It was kind of uh, cool. It was kind of cool. But the rock monsters and I don't know. It's well, just, I see from you know studying, I see where they get those ideas, and you know we've all kind well, of and they worked with Hollywood. We get it, you know. Right. But what I do like is they try. You know, I think a lot of people in religion try to get everything exactly yeah. right, and I think a lot of you these stories stuff. are basically giving you the overall narrative of what happened and you get the principles because in the end if you miss how it relates to jesus and us well you pretty much missed it anyway well i sit there and argue an hour about what the exact town was that he went from here but you see that a lot in religion you you get caught up it's just so boring you know i'm like if you're at your church and you're doing like a nine-week series on paul's missionary journeys I think we've missed the point here. You know, it, you better get in what he was sharing yeah. instead of exact, the exact location and the details. Turn into a, geog- a geography lesson. But exactly I, I'm right. telling you, you say that you would think that's common sense, but Man. hey, go visit a local church near you and see the kind of stuff that you you hear and you wonder why they're not growing. Mm-hmm. So Moses in uh, in Exodus 3, he basically gets to the burning bush, which is kind of where we left off last time, and he gets a direct communique from the almighty in a bush that's on fire that won't burn up which you think about look everything they're fixed to go through i thought about this later after we talked about that it's basically representing you know when you see a bush that should be burning up and and it doesn't and you know what they were fixed to go through which you have every reason on what's fixing to happen to quit and give up because this is fixed to get tough right but you don't, you know, I just thought about that, how that applies in life that God is able to give you some, some kind of visual image like that, where this should destroy you. But if you're with me, you will survive. I I think that's a subconscious, you know, we read it as a story, but if you actually saw that and you start thinking about that, you know, he probably thought about that. Like, well, what does it mean? Right. Why, why is God, representing himself in a bush that doesn't burn up that should be destroyed but he has the ability when you think something is over you think it's going to be destroyed he has the power right to survive i mean i think it's a good subliminal subconscious message it is and from moses perspective think about this he's 80 years old you know he had been a young man you know zero to 40 raised in pharaoh's house he had an altercation that we talked about last time. He winds up in the desert for 40 years thinking basically any chance he had at any sort of normal life, you know, or back where he was in Egypt, that's gone. He's 40 years in the desert. It's like you being here today, you're 74. If all of a sudden this would happen now to you, and you'd already lived your whole life, and all of a sudden guys said, oh, wait a minute, I got I got something you hadn't even thought about you yet. Talk about a test. <laughs> that's right. So just the age factor of where he's at. So he sees this. And basically, he's told by God, you're going to go back to Egypt and you're going to leave my people out. Moses, who by now, you know, one time he seemed like he says about himself, he could never speak very well. But the Bible says earlier, he was Hebrew says he it was a young man. He was strong in character and conviction and was able to speak. But he's lost all that. And so now he doesn't even want to do it. He said, can you send somebody else? Because it's kind of like you were talking about. He doesn't even want to do it himself. Yeah. And so the Bible says the Lord was angry. It, it made God mad at him. He said, wait a minute. Now, is this in chapter three? Well, yeah, we were talking the, about when he said, who am I? Yeah. And we, and we right. talk, he said, I am who? Right. I am who I am. Which is basically God saying, you know, when you say, who am I? Like we're a proper noun, you know, with a name, Moses. And he's like, I'm a noun and a verb. <laughs> <laughs> if you think about it. <laughs> a, a noun and a verb, and I have no time constraint. Well, right. I so I guess I I'm an adjective also. And, <laughs> and when you think about that grammatically, I'm right. He was saying, I'm like a living organism, you That's know, because right. I, I am who I am. It's the same thing Jesus said, tell him I am 
Well, and think about it. God has always been invisible. There's, you know, and, and still is in the sense of people see and communicate, but there's no actually seeing him. Which I thought was interesting that that verse in Hebrews. You need to read that. I think so. I mean, because you know, if you're like me, I, I kind of you know, I'm not a real smart fella. You know, people listening, and so you think you start reading Exodus, and you're like, what? Well, what is? You get bogged down in the details and the Hittites and the you know, Prizites and all this. <laughs> but when you I'm go not to me with the Prizites, maybe I'm so, not that's sure that's an official group of people. <laughs> I was just saying that for a fact. <laughs> But you go to Hebrews, which I think mirrors the Exodus experience and the law, the giving of the law, and then that being the shadow to Jesus coming. Would you agree with that? Yep. And you have this faith chapter. What do you call this? The Hall of Faith? Yeah, I call it the Hebrews Hall of Fame. So you basically, they sum up Moses just in like four verses, which, you know, makes you think how you'll be summed up. Yeah. At the end of the if day. If you could even make the book, right? But it does have a line that is awesome. I mean, it starts off in 23. I see 24. It said Hebrews 11, 24. Uh, or 25, it says, He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. Which which you kind of described <laughs> that last yeah, time. Yeah, which goes in. I mean, that I think that's something noble to be shared. Right. But then he gets to 27, he says, By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. I mean, now that is a statement. When you think about how he got through all this, well, what was his secret? What are the life lessons that we can see? Really, that describes all of us and what we have in Jesus. We are literally walking around on earth trusting something that is invisible which sounds crazy to the world but to us right it's just standard operating procedure see you you do see the qualities you can see them and john the apostle said when you see people and they're known for their love for god and one another he said that's when you see god you could, that's how you see him. Right. You you see him by people's lives. That's why light of the world, salt of the earth, we can show them God, but we better be on our game and we better watch our mouth and watch what we do as we walk by faith because one misstep and they're going to say, nah, no. Nah. Well, you, just, you right. see God. I mean, remember he had the Your manna. life is a statement. That's right. Remember he had the manna and the quail, you know, that when well, he was looking at it, not like, oh, this is cool. There's bread falling. You know, what a phenomenon. He was like, no, this is God. And ultimately, that would be related to Jesus. You know? mm-hmm. And remember in 1 Corinthians 10, that example when it, of Moses, and it said God wasn't pleased right, with right. them. And, but it said <laughs> they uh, drank from the water, the, the water that came out of the rock. I'm not sure where that story is in Exodus. But, but it says in in. Is it 1 Corinthians 10 or 2 Corinthians Corinthians 10? 10. It says that rock that accompanied them was Christ. Yep. Right. And and also, you remember that, uh, I think it's in John. Before he became flesh, he was with them. Well, yeah. And you remember in John 5 when Jesus was talking and they were having this debate over trusting Moses or him. And Jesus was like, you're reading the scriptures thinking you're going to get eternal life. And you're missing the parts about me. Yep. It's you know you, you can't get eternal life without me. Yep. But then he said an interesting thing. He said Moses, the one you're putting your trust in, he wrote about me. That's right. Yep. Which is what a thing to say. <laughs> like they're like, what? That's thousands of years ago. That's exactly <laughs> right. Moses wrote about you. Well, you're you're some fellow. Well, huh? Remember in John eight, whenever <clears throat> they were talking about Abraham, which of course predates Moses, and they were like. We know who Abraham is. You know, we're children of Abraham, but who are you? And that's when Jesus said, Before Abraham was born, I am, which goes back to that same context. And that burning bush, he he made a statement I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, it had been a long time since they had been on the earth. And most people say, Well, God would have said, I was their God, meaning they're gone now. Right. But God was telling Moses out of that bush, I'm just letting you know I am their God. They're not dead. That's right. They're on the other side, and they're in exactly. good shape. 
They they physically have died, but they're alive. Which is why two thousand years later, Jesus used the exact same language to correct. his audience. He said to him, "He's he's not the God of the dead, but of the living. Right. For to him, they all are alive." Yeah, that's why you're looking, seeing Moses standing up there on the Mount of Transfiguration in a body, sta- yeah. some kind of body, a glorified body, and right. Elijah standing there talking it over with Jesus, right. thousands of years after they supposedly were on the earth. You say, I wonder why God showed them that. And yeah. they're all glowing. Right. Of course, the apostles, they're looking. Peter and them like, whoa. Right. But that's also why this is the most the most powerful organism on planet Earth, the church. Right. Because remember when Jesus said, you know, it, it's like the spirit. You you see its effects, but you, it, you know, and he compared it to the wind. And, and basically, you know, the wind is invisible. I mean, you can look at it, and you know the wind's blowing because the trees are moving. Right. Yep. But that's the same way the Holy Spirit of God works. You see the effects, but you it's invisible. Right. You, you can't see it. That's why if people try to destroy, destroy the true church, well, the, the last thing they need to do is go to church buildings. Right. Because God doesn't live in buildings. Yep. You know, it, it's invisible. That's why I think it's an awesome you know, thing to say about somebody's life who went through all what Moses did. He made it through because of his faith. Right. That's why when you hear people that are kind of chasing the miraculous, you know, you hear this a lot in the religious world. And I, I, I believe God works supernaturally, but when you get to miracles where something physically happens, that is undeniable, that it was a supernatural act of God, what we have through faith is actually more powerful than that that's why he said without faith it's impossible to please god plus if jesus appeared as we're seated at this table talking into these mics if he appeared six feet right over here if he just became visible five feet from this table and he looked at us and he said you guys are doing well peace be with you and he went he disappeared now, we would look at each other, and on air, we would say, <laughs> did, am I dreaming, or did you see Al, what I just saw? And you said, I saw what you just saw. And Jace would say, hey, listen, you say, why wouldn't he do that from time to time? Because when the audience heard us discussing this, good night, did you see that? That was Jesus himself. They would say, "You talk about a bunch of lunatics." <laughs> Look, <laughs> they probably one, already saying that, that anyway. That they already up, say that, that. That one appearing <clears throat> would cause us more trouble, way more trouble than it's worth. Because here's the point: it wouldn't take anything away. Would you still have to have your faith in the death of Jesus for mm-hmm. your sins? Even if he did appear <clears throat> to you every fifteen minutes, your yeah. faith that wouldn't save you. His appearing to you. You say his death on a cross is what saves you. You would still have to believe that he died for you, was buried and raised from the dead. So why appear to somebody for every, every 15 minutes when they already believe because they've read the story and they're looking back at how the story came to fruition, which we're doing every day. Well, to prove your point, Jesus was here you know, for 33 years. Three yep. years he went around doing miracles, doing all these things. Yep. And the, all the people that watched him when he went in to be crucified, where were they? I mean, yeah. they had seen the whole thing unfold. So they you all thought, hit the road. They all hit the road. Well, even after his resurrection, it's You know, uh, if I could just see him, i tell you what, I'd believe in him. But that's what the atheists would say. I said, no, you wouldn't. Right. There were plenty of people 2,000 years ago that saw him raise the dead, heal the sick. I mean, feed the 5,000. You say, well, how come that didn't do it for him? He fried the fig tree, and they come up there and say, well, what authority are you doing these things? Instead of just believing if you touch a tree and it just fries it like Roundup on it or something, you're like, I would be sitting there thinking, uh, that's enough for me. Yeah. But they were saying, well, what authority did you fry the fig tree? Right. Well, they just thought it was a trick. Dude. I mean, they passed off all the miracles as tricks, right. which same thing happens today. I mean, which, there's a lot of people claiming all this is going on, but I'm like, same why, why do you need to see a miracle today if you have – a letter from God Almighty that, you know, the more you read this, the harder it is to get around it because of all the details yeah, the mer- from, from the history, geography of the Bible. You, it just all the pieces start filling together, even what we're talking about with Moses. I mean, you realize this was all a shadow 
of experiencing the presence right. of God. I mean, he gave the law because I used to just think that. All right, he gave the law. Which when did Mount Sinai happen in in the Book of Exodus? Well, it's gonna uh, it's gonna happen 20, in, in nineteen and twenty. Yeah, nineteen and way, twenty. Yeah. But 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 think about my point is think about why he gave the law. He gave the law so that there would be a way to have sacrifices offered to experience the the presence of God to you, point them to Jesus is the exact word. Well, right, but in the moment for them, they still got the presence of God because they had His law. Right. Then they had the steps that you that you have that he required with the sacrifices to get to God who would then be in the holy of holies and 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 Hebrews talks about all that but my point is we got to have that in Jesus because of the foundation that was laid there and you need a sacrifice but they still got the presence of God right how about this the apostle Paul said although I'm less than the least of all God's people this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles. Here we all are, 2,000 years later, we're still here. The unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. It's a mystery, watch, which for ages past was kept hidden in God. And we're reading in a time frame way before Jesus. You're like reading about Moses and them, but he's building a foundation. Way in the past, it was kept hidden. Who created all things? His intent was even dealing with Moses way before we get to the Roman Empire when Jesus shows up in flesh. His intent was, listen to this, Al, that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you take three rednecks sitting here discussing this. You say, what are y'all exactly doing? You said, uh, we're uh, showing the manifold wisdom of God to the evil one and anybody else who will listen. That's right. what we're doing, Right. which is pretty ironic. It is. And, and to prove that point, I've always believed that's why Jesus did what he did on the Mount of Transfiguration. We talked about a minute ago when Moses and Elijah both appeared with him Moses representing law, Elijah representing prophecy, the two things that always pointed towards who Christ was going to yep. be. And then basically you're saying the presence of God is here. And then Jesus said about himself, I came to fulfill the law. Yep. But, and he kept it flawlessly and then sacrificed himself. Yep. And then he said, I came to fulfill all prophecy. So everything pointed to him in the moment. And so he wanted a visual of that for his disciples to see. They never forgot it. You know, Peter, he, he freaked out, which I would have too. And well, he was yeah. like, you know, what do we do? I mean, it was a, what a scheme. I mean, he chose the nation of Israel just to show that this relation to people was what his heart was after. And But it, it laid the foundation through Jesus that all nations could be his nation. I Even mean, looking at the Jewish nation, all of us now, if you just look at them, there's something different about the Jews. Oh, sure. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. You can see it. You're like, hmm. Right. All this vitriol and hatred on mm-hmm. one side and the other side, we're Gentiles grafted into their tree. Right. You're like, all nations would be blessed through Abraham. Right. And as this story unfolds with Moses leading the Israelites, you're like, it's through the, we owe our salvation to the Jews. Absolutely. But that was God's idea. That's right. God's idea. Well, what I've always found fascinating, if you want to kind of boil it down and say, well, what is what does this all mean? You know, after Jesus died and was buried and resurrected, and then all his apostles and followers went and started sharing Jesus, you get to Stephen in Acts 7, and he basically preaches. You're talking about a talking about an update. You, you've heard this saying that you know a guy preached a suitcase sermon where you know he was worried that <laughs> yeah. they were gonna fire him, so have your your bags packed. That's well, what they would tell us in <laughs> preaching schools. Yeah. Well, this Beware turned out to be a coffin sermon <laughs> yeah. because he basically went through the history of why God chose Israel. And look, he spent most of the chapter talking about Moses. Yep. But what I find interesting, so if you want to sum up the book of Exodus in like 20 verses, you just read Acts 7. Yep. Because, I mean, it, it, he told he went through why, he did, why God did it and what it meant. He brought it all together in a short 
statement. And he got down to the end, and he got out, uh, down to verse uh, 48, and he said, However, the Most High does not live in houses made by men, because he was comparing this having the presence of God you know, in the tabernacle, exodus, or going through a ritual. He was comparing what I'm saying, the ritualistic nature of the Old Testament and having the law versus now the relationship you can have with God, which is what he was after the whole time, you know, through Jesus. And the rules and regulations, rules and regulations. Yeah. And and the Holy Spirit, because then he says, uh, as the prophet says, heaven is my throne. This is Acts 749. The earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me? Says the Lord. Or well, where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all the, these things and then this is probably where the sermon you know was bad for him because <laughs> he said you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears you are just like your fathers you always resist the holy spirit was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute they even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one you know speaking of jesus and so after he said that, it goes on to 54. It says, when they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their te- teeth. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Well, then they go nuts. At this, they covered their ears. You know, I used to do that, you know, like with Willie. Just, hey, I, I, I. Yeah, I just didn't want to hear him, you know, when we were kids. And which led to Stephen's death, and Saul, who later would become Paul, was there giving approval of it. But I just bring this up to say, one, it's a good explanation of, of Moses and how that transitioned to what we have in Jesus. But it also shows you how people get so set in their ways and their thinking mm-hmm. that here's this guy full of the Holy Spirit actually seeing Jesus, and, here's and they a, killed him. Yeah, and here's a martyr. And the guy that was holding his clothes, you know, at his behest, yeah, let's let's kill that one. He's he's all fired up, y'all. Let's let's kill him, stone him to death. And that's the dude that God would pick this Saul, watching this brutal murder mm-hmm. of Stephen, and he picks that one to write most of the New Testament. Well, he like, wrote 1 Corinthians 10 that we were just referring <laughs> to about talk Moses. About, talk did, about forgiving. Did you, have y'all seen the movie, uh, The Apostle Paul? It's a I new movie. Seen it. You no. need to watch it. I just watched it. <clears throat> Very interesting. The whole movie is set with Paul awaiting his death. So the movie is basically him looking back. And Luke is there with him. And, and Jim Caviezel, who played Jesus in The Passion, is playing Luke in the movie. And basically, he's just getting the word from Paul to write the book of Acts in the movie. So it's kind of looking back. Here's what the movie did, though, because you brought it up. I had to mention it, which it did beautifully. This guy, this actor playing Paul was amazing. Of course, he's older, Paul, but they keep looking back when he was younger. He was so haunted in the movie portrayal, which he would have been by all those that he had killed. And so they oh. kept showing him. And one of them was Steven, but they kept showing all the cause little girls. And I mean, because think he's going in, they're hauling them oh. off into prison. They're killing some of them. And so it was, it, I cried at the end of it because just thinking him looking back on his life. Of course, you know, at the end of the movie, he puts his neck into that, you know, slot. He did say, I'm the worst That's right. of sinners. And the I mo- am pathetic. The movie really does a good job of portraying what it would be like for a man who had spent – most of his life, once he turned it around, having that regret of the of what he had done. It's a good thing now. It's powerful. It's a great great point you brought up because one of the problems I've seen working with the human race is there are many who say, "Phil, you don't you don't understand. I've done things so terrible, so sinful, I can't be forgiven." Right. Well, they need to look at the Apostle That's Paul right. standing there holding Stephen, holding their, mm-hmm. you know, at his behest, said, kill him, kill him. Right. And he's the one that God chose to write most of the New Testament, which yeah. they need to look at that. That's right. And if and Paul says, if I can be saved, anyone can be saved. Sure. So, so back to Moses, just to catch us up for next time. Um, we basically goes in, 
he has miracles at his disposal, which, by the way, didn't convince Pharaoh or many people. Remember we talked about he could turn a, a, his staff, turn into a snake and back into a staff. He could put his hand in his cloak, pull it out, leprosy, put it back in, no yeah. leprosy. You know, it's just like a yeah. – but, but what happened was the, the magicians of, you know, Pharaoh's court – they pulled off the first couple of times, you know, when, when the water turned to blood. Well, they managed to pull it off. They did it. And even the frogs, they had some way to conjure up some frogs. So they're looking, ah, this guy's just a some kind of super magician. So they didn't believe him at first. So that's why there had to have been 10 plagues. And yeah. it was really interesting because when you look at the plagues, the first ones I call the nuisance plagues, water to blood, frogs, which they reproduce. But then we got to gnats and flies. They couldn't make that happen. There were so many gnats and flies, they were in their nostrils and mm. ear, like an e- earwig, I guess. Well, yeah, I, well, I had a, a lot of people By the way, to me about that. For, for the Democratic Party, Uh-oh. you're seeing a few ways God has worked. Plague of frogs, plague of gnats, plague of flies, uh, plague of livestock disease, the plague of boils. If they're going to heal the planet uh, with Mother Nature in control, which I don't, I've never heard of her in the Bible, if they're going to do this whole thing, their work is cut out for them. Is all I got to say because we've got floods that cover the earth. They got to do something about all that. You know, they have bitten off a lot, and they're also claiming when the whole thing will end. They said, "Oh yeah, in eleven years." You said, "Well, God said that nobody knows when He's going to end this thing." What are you talking about? But they've got a lot of work to do, Al. That's only we took a turn off. Are we back only, on the right and the left? That's the only person that could take the flags and, and pivot to the Green New Deal. So look, so oh, it's, that's what you meant. That's what he meant. That's yeah. exactly what I meant. Get up with it, Jay. Start watching. Start watching news, son. No, I know that was going on. I just. I don't sit around and watch Fox News. All right, so all so so one step further. So you had the nuisance plagues. Then he went after the economy. He, it was the livestock, yeah. the bulls. They couldn't leave their house. They couldn't work. Hail, locusts. It's wiping them out now economically. Look, they couldn't stop it. Couldn't stop it. So you think. Just now said, oh, we can stop it. You're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, which which to dad's point is right. So, but here here's the point. This, this will catch us up, and next time we'll unpack this. Still wouldn't work. All this, that's a lot of devastation. Pharaoh said, Unbelievable. Nope, 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 until the last two. And one of them was the plague of darkness. This thing that's so dark you couldn't see your hand in front of your face for a while. So now we're working on the emotional center, and people are starting to say, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. And then, of course, the last one, which was the plague of the firstborn, where basically every firstborn, which would be me and our family, dropped dead overnight. Now you imagine the anguish across the nation, every firstborn son or daughter and every firstborn animal drop dead overnight. That's God telling the human race, hey, uh, our worldly power, do something about this. Listen to me. Fix this. So next time we get together, we'll talk about that because something very important happens on this night of death uh, where we see this idea of the Passover and the Passover lamb, which all that's going to matter when we get to the New Testament and even to today. So we want to unpack that uh, a little more uh, next time we get together. Uh, I want to mention here, I hadn't mentioned in a while, uh, The Theft of America's Soul. If you hadn't picked up a copy of that, that's Dad's latest book. Very good. Um, talks about exactly some of the things in America we see now compared to some of the stuff we've been talking about. Also, Lisa and I have a new book. Um, it's called Desperate Forgiveness, which is also new, uh, really dealing with a lot of biblical stories. And we've used some Old Testament stories uh, to talk about God's forgiveness. So if you hadn't checked those out, grab one of those. And uh, we'll see you next time on Unashamed. So we're so glad you guys were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or YouTube or Facebook. And be sure and rate us on iTunes so that other people can know about the podcast.